A brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess and a criminal. If you haven't already guessed it, this week we're doing The Breakfast Club. It's an iconic film. Released in 1985, it's an American team coming-of-age comedy drama written, produced and directed by John Hughes. It stars Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald and Ali Sheedy as teenagers from different high school cliques who spend a Saturday in detention with their assistant principal who's played by Paul Gleason. It received critical acclaim and earned over £51 million in the box office from a £1 million budget. So unbelievable returns on that. Critics considered it to be one of John Hughes's most memorable and recognisable works. The young actors at the time were dubbed in the media as the Brat Pack and went on to do a number of films together. But what did this film mean to us on the podcast? We didn't watch it the first time round, we were a little bit too young. However, we watched it in later life and here's our thoughts. So, uh, Breakfast Club, it was you a pick. Where did it come it from? Was. Are you a fan? Yeah, yeah. I think out of all, out of all like the, the rite of passage, um, coming teen, of age teen films, yeah, coming of age films, I think this one's probably the best for me. When you say, do you just mean best film overall, or are you talking about I most think, impactful? Well, or? I'd. I don't know. I mean, we'll get onto that. I'll get onto sort of the, the gritty details in a bit. But I think written by John Hughes, I think, which is always a good, always a good start. Um, it touches upon sort of every, I say, every social group that you can think of, and mm. even even the adults to a certain, to a certain extent. And you know, yeah, I'll I'll talk, I'll talk about this in a minute. But yeah, big fan. I, I don't know about I don't know about Andrew, but I would rather have the gritty details up front. But oh, go on! No, I can't. Okay. <laughs> this is the preamble. Preamble before the before the main bite. Yeah, Prague. Where were you? Did you watch this growing up? No, completely missed me when I was a kid. I I hundred percent agree with that as well. I'll jump on that bandwagon. It as a kid, and you know, listeners to the podcast would know this that I grew up with Prague. Ev was about six hundred miles away. In, in another part of the world. Um, colder, colder part of the world. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's our group of friends and we had a certain type of film growing up, but this one definitely passed me by. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't so much. I'd, I watched it when I was a kid. I sort of, I think I first caught on it when I was early teens, I think, maybe. So you, so, could, you could say that even though you didn't watch it when it first came out or mm. years after that, yeah. you still watched it at a time in your life where it where it meant something. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah. almost re- well you can you can relate relate because you're almost the same age as the characters in the film anyway. Yeah, um, that, the problem I had with the film, um, ori- originally because I didn't watch it in my teenage years, I watched the film because it was always in the lists of. Most influential, best film, you know, uh, best high school movie. So eventually, I got around to the point where I was like, right, well, I, I've got to watch this film now. Uh, and I watched it, and it didn't strike a chord with me because I wasn't of that age anymore. That's not to say, though, and I know we'll get into it. That's not to say that I dislike the film, and I don't think there are uh, a lot of mm. good things about it. And I think you touch on a really good topic there that you know a lot of the films that we review on the podcast are films that mean something to us and even if it is a shit film 
very similar to what we discussed recently. And I'm not saying it's a shit film. That's wrong with you. <laughs> but even if it's a film you don't particularly like, but and we recently did um, Spaceballs, which Evan really enjoyed growing up, and me and Prague didn't really watch it, and then watched it in adulthood, and it passed us by. Um, it's it you know it, it's with, with this type of um, sort of film, you you have I think some sort of oh, emotional connection to it. And Prague is 100 percent right. Mm. If you didn't watch this growing up, maybe it's a, it's a mm. different. It's funny enough, right? I haven't seen this film, or I didn't watch this film until years and years into adulthood. And I don't think I watched this film until I saw it, believe it or not, and don't shout me on this, till I watched it while watching Pitch Perfect. Pitch so Perfect? Pitch what? Perfect, the film with Anna Kendrick, or whatever her name is. Yeah. Um, they watch oh, it in that yeah. because the guy says... This this is you know this is such an important film you have to watch it and blah 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 blah. <laughs> so so sorry, so you're saying you watched Breakfast Club because of Pitch Perfect? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should admit that or not. Hey, yeah, you damage is done now. <laughs> no, no. If anything, <laughs> if anything, you should be thankful for Pitch Perfect that it got you to watch <sighs> Breakfast Club. Uh, I think the main question is, why was I watching Pitch Perfect in the first place? Hey, listen, Rach, if Rachel wants to watch a film... I, 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 I don't think Rachel's ever seen Pitch Perfect. Oh, so you oh. watch it on your own? Oh, it's, it's, gr- it's gruesome confessions here. Oh, I, 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 love a song, I love a song or two in a film. <laughs> he, probably, he probably starts practising that cup thing that Anna Kendrick hey. does. Oh, I got I that nailed. Think- Got a nail. Yeah. <laughs> like we said a couple of times, and we'll continue to say, each to their own. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, the film passed me by, so I didn't watch it in till later in life. And which I then revisited it recently, and I had totally forgotten about the film. And um, I will, I will admit, I enjoyed it when I watched it the other day. Oh, good. It's from as a film goes. Not a lot happens. So the film has to engage with you through its its dialogue, through its um, the chemistry between the, um, the the characters and things. And for me, it did that. I, I think it, it's, it's well written. And um, yes, I had to off, I personally think, from to John Hughes on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no secret that... Uh, well, it might be a secret until now, but... We're all basically John Hughes fans, whether it's this film or or some one of the other ones he wrote or directed. Mm. Um, I would agree with you a lot that a lot of it is well written. I have got a couple of points with certain aspects, which we'll get into. But yeah, I I liked it. I do. I mean, I I liked it when I watched it the first time. It just it just didn't strike a chord with me it just didn't get me emotionally you know it just didn't mean a lot to me when I watched it as I said probably because of the age I watched it at but I do I do like the film I think it's I think it's a good movie overall uh, the, the one thing why are we talking about John here was you know he did do a certain type of film or he was known for a certain type of film back then he did others don't get me wrong but you know that sort of coming of age film he did, he did quite often. And, mm. and the one thing he did was sit, set a lot of these films in the same 
fictional town of what was it Sh- called? Shema. Shema, yeah. So, um, Ferris, Bula's, Sixteen Candles. Although I've never seen Sixteen Candles, and Pretty in Pink. All mm. oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So all of them were in the fictional town. Well, he did um, Ferris Bueller straight after this, didn't he? I think, I think, I think actually, I think I remember reading somewhere that um, he shot Breakfast Club the same time as Ferris Bueller's to save money, and he used the same crew. Well, th- this film cost a million pound to make. The box office was fifty-one million. Yeah, that's unbelievable return. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Breakfast Club was initially going to be a series of films where they caught up with the same characters at different points within their lives, but obviously that that ne- ne- um, never came to fruition. So, okay, Which, that would have been interesting. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think so. Yeah. So, moving on to the favourite aspect of the film, mm. Ev, since it's your film, kick us off. Oh, go on. I t- I got a few here, but. Um... One, one being what I touched on, touched on before that, that the film is very well written in terms of that it handles it handles pretty much every social group you can think of. I'm not going to say it in life, but at least in a school environment, so you've got the 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 sport the sport guy in Emilio Estevez. Well, if you don't mind, I'll stop you there. Only because they do. there's the line in the film, isn't it, where they say, a brain, an athlete... Yeah, a criminal. A, a basket case, yeah. a crim- criminal, and a princess. Or, or something, yeah. like, whatever order it is. Yeah, yeah, right at the end, where he's, where he's writing the letter to the to the teacher. That's um, it, yeah. yeah. But, he, but even so, you've got the you've got the adults as well in the film, and there's, there's, only, there's only three essential... Essentially, that you that you see, or properly, where you see Emilio Estevez's dad, who you see, who you find out he's he's very determined and he wants his son to be number one, and you know, um, trying to get his son to 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 live or trying to live his life out through his son. Mm. Um, the the teacher for the, I can't remember his name now for the life Vernon Vernon that's yeah. it yeah um, yeah who's who's so he's. He's out of touch. Yeah, and, and it, I think, but... I think, sorry, but I'm just going to say okay. I think John Hughes wrote it in a way where Richard, where the the assistant principal is supposed to encapsulate everything that the kids dislike in in adults. Yeah, yeah. but you but you also see that he, that in in the film that he, when he's giving the giving the kids a bolligan and he's he's seeing he's you know he's he's seeing that he's scared and scared that the that the that those kids will be taken care of him when he's older. You can see he doesn't want to be the way he is, but he can't eat by the, the facial spe- expressions. Like after af- after he gives um, he gives Bender all the detentions, and he goes out and you see his face like, oh, you know, why did I do that? Um, and then you've got the ca- the caretaker Brian's dad, who's just pretty much you know going with the flow, so to speak. It's not it's not you Brian's know? dad. That's not Brian's dad, is it? I was going to say. Well, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Bender makes a joke that it's Brian's dad. Because that's Carl, isn't it? Yeah, it's Carl, it, yeah. yeah. And, Carl, and Carl, I don't know if you've noticed this, you know, at the very beginning of the film, and you, you see various pictures on the wall and whatever, and one of them is like Man of the Year, and right in the middle of it... It's him. Is him, the car- yeah. caretaker. Yeah. 
I don't know yeah. where I'm saying it is. Oh, sorry. I, th- I, I don't know where I got that from. I thought it was Brian's dad because you said. Oh, no, no. You, you've obviously heard the dialogue. You've just missed. Yeah. You've just. All oh, you've okay. done is you've just missed that it was a joke. That's all yeah. it was. Oh, okay. It's Judd Nelson's character is making a joke of mm. Brian by claiming that oh, okay. he's his dad. That's all that happened there. That's. Mm. Yeah, but I agree. I agree with you with something you said about the um, the film is very good with the uh, the characters all giving like subtle glances and and little looks and facial expressions after someone has said something. Mm. I think that's a very good aspect of the film, and and well sort of captured. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to know if that's written in the script because I know from reading about the film that apparently they did a lot of uh, rewriting as they were filming. And they, they did some, they did a few weeks of rehearsals and rewrote some of the script there because obviously John Hughes wanted to have uh, the input of the, of the mm. quote unquote kids, as it were, the actors, because he wanted to get it more realistic. But I don't know if the the subtlety of the of the facial expressions and so on was deliberate, or whether it was just something mm. he happened to to capture, you know, incidentally. My favorite aspect is um, Richard Vernon, the the vice principal or whatever role he is. You know, the teacher himself. I I think he, assistant yeah. principal. When he does that sort of bullhorn sign, his fingers are like freakily yeah. wide apart. It's unbelievable. But no, I, I think he's really good. And I, I I do wonder whether they could have changed his character slightly towards the end. So, you know, he very much insults and brings down the kids, right? Which then brings out their insecurities. He, he mm. sort of like, he obviously knows a little bit about each of them. And he just really hones in on that, which then brings out the rest of the film. Um, but then by doing that, that brings the group together because they're all vulnerable at, at some point within the film, which then brings us to that scene where they're all talking about something within their lives. You know, it, it's it's quite powerful. And during that scene where he's got Bender and he's locked him in that room, mm. yeah, and he, oh, he goes... Yeah. You know, on him massively, and you know, and I, and he more or less offers him out, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I th- I think that's a really good scene. Oh, it's so powerful, and I and I all I was thinking at the time then, is he this amazing teacher that he's doing something that's going to change around that kid? Is he going to shock him so much, and then at the end of it, sort oh. of say to him, "I did that on purpose." I was never going to, you know, let you hit me or what have you. I I read it the other way. I read it that he genuinely wanted, he was trying to get a rise out of Bender. And I think the character Bender shits himself. Yeah, yeah. No, no, and I I agree. That's how it it definitely came out. I just wonder whether they could have changed it. Oh, sorry. Right, okay. I'm I'm glad they did. Rewritten this more subtle. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But and, and and all of a sudden it would have been about the teacher and not about the kids if that had been the case. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Because mm. I think there's an obviously the Richard Vernon's car the character he's not in it as much as he should be. Real if it's set in reality he'd be in that library with them. Yeah. 
But of course, this, the film is supposed to be about the teenagers, isn't it? So you can't have him hanging around all the time. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Well, what, what about yourself? Um, it's, it was a choice between two for me. Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. I, I can't watch the film. I can't think about the film without thinking about that song. That mm. song is amazing. I mean, as soon as the drums kick in, like the, you think about to bookend the film, they have the drum, they they have that the song playing, and it's it's oh, I love it, I love the song, but I'm not picking that. After rewatching it, I'm going to pick the 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 actors and actresses who play who play the five main characters. I think they do re- a really good job with what with what they got to do. Well, yeah, if to hold your attention for an hour and a half film or whatever, however long it is, where, where very little happens in the film and it's all more or less about dialogue, you've you you it shows how good the actors are. I personally think. Yeah, I mean, rewatching it this time, um, the one actor I was quite struck by. He's never really been on my radar before, but I did actually really like. Judd Nelson mm. as as the the bender the the criminal I thought I th- I thought he was really mm. good although uh my my praise of him has been tempered slightly after reading about the film where I and uh I read that Nicolas Cage could have got the part <laughs> and I was broken hearted because I love <laughs> Nicolas Cage there would have certainly been a different intensity to the yeah. to the part more, it would have been more theatrical as well, so I think it yeah. might be taking out of the film a little bit more. But <laughs> God, I love Nicolas Cage. Judge, I, 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 I'm, I really want to do a podcast about this where I think Nicolas Cage could improve every film. You... <laughs> uh, there's, there's a topic to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I would say about Judd Nelson, he's got massive nostrils. If you ever go back and watch the film, have a uh... look. <laughs> Christ, I'm look at him. I thought Batman was going to come out the one point. <laughs> uh, right, moving on to favourite scene. Anyone want to go first? Go, go on. Yeah, um, it was a choice between the um, when the assistant. We've already spoken about it. Where the assistant principal taunts Bender, uh, but I am going to go for the extra detention scene. Ah, uh, yeah. Where it, it's almost the first, the, it's almost the um, first semi-challenge between the both of them before you get to the to the scene where the where the assistant mm. principal is taunting him. But I, I I I found the extra detention scene funny, and I I quite like you. You immediately get their relationship and where it's going to go. See, I, I found it quite cringy. Did you? Yeah, for me, I, I just, I just felt like saying, "Shut up, shut up," and um, maybe that's like singing the praise of the film in the sense of I, maybe I felt like I was there and I just wanted to say to him, "Shut up." In a way, act, acting like another one of the characters, yeah, because all the all the other characters are, are almost pleading with him to stop, to plead, pleading mm. with Bender to stop. Mm. So it's you're not wrong in thinking what you 
what you thought. I, I was exactly the same. When you're watching it, you're like, oh, for God's sake, mate. Just, yeah, yeah. just don't say anything. But I think it helps you understand. Because let's be honest, the Bender character is difficult to get along with all the way through the film. Mm-hmm. You have... You have moments where you think, okay, maybe he's showing a softer side or, you know, you think he might be changing slightly, but then he'll do something else where you think, hey, God, I like this guy's a prick. <laughs> <laughs> and for all intents and purposes, he is. Yeah, but it, it goes back to that thing where it's, what are they, it, what are they saying, trading places, where, where it's like it's environmental breeding sort of thing. So it's, so it's basically he's he's trying he he puts he's putting up this front because his parents, in particular his dad, is the way he is. And, yeah. he, and he and he talks, you know. Um Well no, he thinks anytime he's challenged, he's gotta step up, hasn't yeah. he? He thinks yeah. he's gotta put on this front, otherwise mm. you know, he's a coward or he's not he's worthless. Yeah. Mm. Ev, what about you? Favorite um, Oh, I got I got a load really. Um you could you could pick could pick like the the scene where this where Vernon's talking with the, talking with the janitor and it's uh, you know how we how they they're actually opening up um, you know to each other about about their feelings for the future and all that lot. The scene where they're running through the ho- through the halls and it's got the that's that's, that's in my bad category. Oh no, no, it's just for the song. The songs are ama- the songs amazing behind it. Um, oh, okay, right. So but, you're talking about the soundtrack, yeah. Yeah, but it's, I think I'm I'm gonna pick I'm I'm gonna pick two and merge them into one scene. So it's basically the the almost group therapy thing where they start getting high and they 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 sort of you know they they opening up towards each other, towards each other and having almost you know like a group therapy session where everyone everyone's talking about what they did to get in and how you know certain people do, wouldn't talk to other other. Um, you know, social groups and whatever like that, and then straight after that, the dance scene, and, and because the song's brilliant, I absolutely hate. I hate the dancing. Oh my god! None of them. Can dance. <laughs> the only one that can dance is Molly Ringwald. She was all right, but oh, that that dancing for me is cringeworthy. Oh, I love it. I, I love tell it. you what, I, I I dislike it even more because because it comes after such an impactful scene as the yeah. as you put it really well the group therapy scene yeah. I think that group therapy scene where they're all opening up Bender's still being a prick but you know can't get away well from uh, it. yeah but I think it's he's he's not he's not a prick for the entire thing because after he has a go at um, Claire the character and like and someone says oh are we going to end up under like our parents and then she she's the first one to say no 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 chance he he gives her like a nod of approval just like you know so it's Mm. there's love there love I do I will say one thing though Um, try try and sort of not redeem Bender but I will backtrack a little bit on what I've said about him being a bit of a prick is that he what what he's what you find out he's doing is that is a more is a teenage version of a kid pulling a girl's hair in the schoolyard because mm. obviously you find out that he does actually fancy Claire or like Claire mm. and what the way he's tr- I'm not saying it's it's a exact sort of uh, 
or parallel to that, but it's it's similar in a way, isn't it? Please tell me it is, yeah. <laughs> I get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. He's trying, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's either hiding the fact that he likes her by trying to hurt her, or yeah. he's trying to attract her by the only way that he knows how. Yeah. My favourite scene, and we've mentioned a couple of them already, I, I do like that group therapy scene, and supposedly a lot of that was ad-libbed. So that's, you know, if that is the case, hats off to the actors. I, can, I, I just, can I say one more thing about that group therapy scene? Sorry. I, okay. I I do like it, and I'm glad that we're talking about it in a positive light. I will say, though, that I do find the writing uneven, and you just mentioned that the scene, uh, for the most part, was born out of... Um, not so much as ad-libbing, but them going over the, the script and rewriting it and having the actors... Uh, Improvising. Yeah. So yeah. The, and the, the actors contributing towards what was put into that scene. But I think because of that, it does feel uneven to me. There are moments in the scene where they change topic too suddenly for me. Like, they're all having a go clear at one moment... And it, it seems really harsh. It, when you watching it back, it seemed a lot harsher than I remember it. And then snap the fingers, they're on to something else, and Claire's okay. Yeah. And I, I, I just found that a little bit jarring. That's all I wanted to say about that. Sorry, but go on. I think um, Ali, I quite like the Ali bit in that. You know, where she says, you know, I had sex, I'm an infomaniac, I had sex with my therapist, and blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, I didn't do any of that. Yeah. I think. All of a sudden, you get a little bit more out of her character, which was, um, you know, which, which was quite nice to see. But yeah. the, the one, the scene that I w- was going to pick now is the Vernon and Carl scene, where they're having a beer, and you know, he's sort of. I think there's a realization when he gets questioned that he has become everything that the kids hate, and yeah. he's fallen into type. So not only do we have a type of the kids, you know, a brain, an athlete, a princess, blah, blah, blah. We also have the stereotype hard-nosed teacher. And he, he's yeah, it, become that. Yeah, it, it highlights as well the Carl's role in the film. He's the he's almost the moral compass, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, do you know who was originally going to be down to play him? The Carl? Yeah, Rick Go Moranis. On. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Can you... <laughs> Just to, uh, but, to, right, but everyone just listening, Evan just had a nerdgasm. Oh, to, to, to coin a phrase from the uh, from a really good uh, animated series called The Veil, check it out on YouTube. Can you imagine that? Oh, <laughs> can you imagine that? Oh. But yeah, he was replaced <laughs> down due to um, creative differences, supposedly. Yeah, oh. he, was, he was actually. Was he signed properly, or was he just in talks? I, I I'm not entirely sure that, but that's yeah the um what, what you know what I had read. It, I, I would imagine if it's created differences, someone like Rick Moranis, who at the time was quite a big comedy star, he probably wanted to have more involvement in the film. Yeah, he probably wanted to play him a certain way as well, didn't he? Yeah. The guy who played Carl in the end, John Kaplos, something like that. His name is mm. um, John Capellos. That's the one. He he was in. Quite a few um, John Hughes films in the end. I think he was in Sixteen Candles, this, maybe Saint Elmo's Fire. No, he didn't do Saint. Elmo. Um, Weird Science. Sorry. All oh, right. 
So, yeah, something to be said about um, directors and their favourite actors. I think mm. he, he has a small part, but I think he contributes quite a lot to the yeah. film within that. Yeah. So, moving on then, would you change anything? Yes. Prog, go on. <laughs> <laughs> the entire film, scrap it all. No, no, no. You know I, you know I like the film. I, I'm not, I don't love the film. I like the film, but the reason I don't love it is because there are aspects I, 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 you know, I can't, I can't get on board with. I, I've got to highlight one thing in particular. Bender putting his leg, putting his head between um, Clay's legs, right? I, I've heard it, heard it said, and and read. Uh, a couple of things about is problematic. I think it's only problematic in the sense of you have a different opinion of the character now if he were to do that as opposed to back then. I think you can still have a character do something like that. But as I said before, and as I was con- will continue to say, if you have a character doing that now, it just changes your opinion of the character as opposed to when it happened back then. The reason I bring this up is because I would... John Hughes puts a panty shot in. Mm. And I don't think it should... It shouldn't be in there. It does... You don't need it. You you completely understand what the character is doing. You, You don't need to see a POV shot of what the character is seeing. I think that is gratuitous. So I wouldn't I, have that in. I think that definitely shows the time as well. And yeah. there was a certain, you know, during the 80s, you know, a flash, you know, you would often get a flash of breasts. You would often get a panty shot for no reason other than, oh, look at that. Yeah. And yeah, there's just, yeah, I agree with it. There's no need for it at all. But that, that's, sorry, that's not the main thing I would change, though. I would change Claire actually getting with Bender at the end. I there's no way there is no way after ten hours of tormenting her that she would go with him. There's just no way. I don't care, right? That in the in the closet or whatever he happens to have been put by the assistant principal, she goes to see him, right? And he, it's a good line. He says. I'm your pa- something along the lines of I'm your parents' worst nightmare or something. Yeah. Or, you know, it'd be you know, hinting that it'd be good for her to go with him because of that fact. And she nods and agrees. And you know, you get the impression, and that's why she go, you know, that's part of the reason why she goes with him. I, it's a good line, don't get me wrong. But everything that's gone that's gone before it, there's n- I can't I can't I can't get on board with them two ending up together. There's just no way for me. I'm going to agree with you, and it's one of the points that I've got. Um, I I would change the entire ending with regards to them two getting together, and Andy and Ali getting together. I mm. I and I know why you're saying that. I would say it's okay for Andy and Al, Andy and what's that? Ali. Alison, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's all right for Andy and Ali to get together. Just don't have a change her character. Why yeah, does she yeah. need to be dolled up for him to get with her? You either like her or you Because, don't. again, it's that sort of coming of age, 
oh my god, she's taken her glasses off and let down her hair, and she's amazing. It's it's what um she's all that and yeah. and all those films sort of copied or parodied in, in yeah. feature things. Yeah. I sorry, but I I I could have included that as well as part of my what would I change? But I I, just I, I think you could have ended the film with them going their separate ways and and. And for me, that would have been enough, right? But there's another point that I would have... I'm not, sure I, I'm not saying I'd change it, but it's something that would be interesting to explore. The end point being, or the end scene being, what they like on Monday. Yeah. Mm. So whether... No, because they have the conversation in the group stuff, don't they? Whether on Monday, if they saw each other at the school gate, whether they would say hello. And I think... I think that's a that's a that's an interesting ending. That I I quite like the idea of them. Nobody get nobody goes with anyone. They all sort of part ways as they come out of the school. Maybe they you know what it can be like in a movie. They all nod to each other or mm. you know shake hands or whatever it happens to be, you know. And then you see Monday morning, and the final five minutes of the film is Monday morning, and maybe. You know, Bender completely ignores all of them, or whatever it happens yeah. to be. I think that's a that's a more interesting ending. And they just revert back to to, to character or stereotype. Yeah, yeah. Ev, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you with your gratuitous shots, and you know, having certainly Andy and Ali getting together. I don't mind Claire and Claire and Bender doing it, but I think. Is there a reason why you don't mind Claire and Bender, but you don't like because because I, I, I think it's there's there's no there's there's next to no interaction between Andy and Ali throughout the entire day, whereas whereas with the with the other two, you you definitely know there's something between them. That's that's interesting because I I can see where you're coming from. I would look at it the opposite though. I would say because of the constant interaction between Clay and Bender, and it not mm. being, for the most part, nice interactions. That's why I did. Mm. I didn't believe them being together. But when Andy and Ali do interact, they seem to be on the same wavelength. So that's why I found that a little bit more believable. But I can see it from your point of view as well. Mm. Yeah, uh, but I think, like you were saying, if you if if it was to end on say a Monday morning and you, and you see them all going into school and you know they, they've all changed slightly in 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 terms of that they you know they at least all acknowledge each other and are going to be friends and you know going into school I think that would probably be best. You know what would be the greatest ending? If you saw Monday morning and Bender and Andy are just running up to each other and they hug. Chest <laughs> bumps. So there's a dream sequence that was cut from the movie where Ali has a dream that Andy is a gluttonous Viking, Bender is a prisoner, Claire's a bride, Brian's an astronaut, and she is a vampire. Um, I'm glad it was cut because I'm not entirely sure what that I would know, be yeah. for the film. No, it's a bit too surreal, isn't it? That's the problem with dream sequences a lot of the time. It's not in keeping with the rest of the film. Yeah. Um, and then some other notable facts that I found out. Proggs mentioned that Nicolas Cage was down to play Bender at one point. Also, John Cusack was. Mm, I love John. I can, I, uh, I can see that. 
Yeah. Apparently, um, it was between John Cusack and Judd Nelson for the final for for the part, and they originally picked John Cusack, but I think they were either in rehearsals or they did the test scene, and John Hughes didn't find John Cusack uh, threatening enough for the Bender role, so that's why he brought in Judd Nelson. Mm. Also, down to play Claire, either Robin Wright, Jodie Foster. Or Laura Dean. Laura Dern. Dern, yeah, sorry, not Dean. Yeah. Dern. Oh, can you imagine Robin Wright playing Claire? Jesus. One of the most beautiful women ever on a screen. Moving on to the final question we always ask, would you recommend the film? I'll go first. I, I, I always ask the questions and I, I never go. Yeah, go, yeah, go on. I would recommend the film. I, I would recommend the film, t- again, Teenager Upwards, I I think if anyone's into films, I think they should watch it. Um, it you know, as Prog's mentioned already, it's often up there on lists of must-watch films. There's a lot of people that have a lot of um, affection for this film, and I sort of get that, especially if you watched it growing up. But I still think you should watch it as an adult. I think John Hughes writes it and directs it well, and directs it well enough for you to enjoy it as a film. As I've mentioned already, not a lot happens in the film as regards to physically happen, but the dialogue helps you move along with it. So for me, yeah, I would I would recommend it. I think the dialogue aspect and nothing happening is a good thing in this film. Mm. It allows you to explore the characters more. I, I was just about to say exactly that. It allows you to really get underneath the skin of a character and really understand who they are and why they're there in the film. A lot of films don't do that. A lot of films are, you know, bish, bash, bosh, and it's the end of the film. And you don't find out anything about the about the character. I, I would recommend the film with, with a few caveats. I think it's I think to watch the film, I think it's important someone now watching it should understand the significance and the importance of the film when it first came out. I think if you do that, you won't be as harsh on the film as if you could be, because my problem with the film is I think there's better coming-of-age films and teen films now that have been released in the years since. So I think a film that came to my mind as soon as I finished watching it was Mean Girls, like Mean Girls, I think is a far, I think it's a better film. Mean Girls It's sharper, it's wittier, it's funnier. I think it's more engaging. But and I think that's to the detriment of the Breakfast Club because I think if you watch Mean Girls and then go and watch Breakfast Club, you might find Breakfast Club boring. So that's why I would say, I think people should watch Breakfast Club, and I would recommend it. But I would, I would say, you need to watch it because it is an important film. Mm. It's not, it, even though it is of its time. Yeah, I'd, I'd go along with that, to be honest. And I, th- I think in this day and age of, of social social media and, you know, pressure put on put on kids at a young age and, you know, speaking, for, speaking as a parent anyway, I think both this and the first, the first season of 13 Reasons Why should be almost prescribed to kids, I mm-hmm. think, at some point. Because I think that it's... Now more now more than ever, I think it's you know with with social media and all, and all that stuff, it's you'll find it can be quite hard for kids 
you know, growing up or in the, you know, in school or whatever like that. And I think that, I think films such as this, it teaches them to appreciate the differences in people. Yeah, if anything, it's it's um, it's an aid, isn't it? You could argue that the film is uh, trying to shine a light on on kids' worries, mm. saying that it's okay to worry about things. I mean, growing mm. up, that's the thing about growing up, and it at the time you think you think something is the most important thing in the world, and it it isn't. No, exactly. Yeah. Like I, I, I re- reflecting on it now. If you, you know, I look back at my teenage years. You, you think exams are so important. They're gonna, they're gonna make or break you in life, and they don't. There are other avenues. Yeah. Whether that's a failure of adults not getting that message across to children. Mm. You, you know, that's a, you know, that's a different discussion, isn't it? But. I, I, I see where you, I, I agree with where you're coming from that, you know, if you were to watch this as a kid, it's relatable even now in the sense of you see someone in the same way that you're going through life, you know, even though it is, I mean, yeah. you could argue it have an age well because it's just five white kids, <laughs> with, you know. They're seeing problems where there actually shouldn't be problems. Yeah. Unless you look at the Bender character, because obviously he's he's having uh, he's got an uh, abusive uh, home life. But you know, it, at that moment for that kid, it is a major problem. Yeah, but I think I think all of the, all the kids in, in in general have got their have got their own problem as such like that you take. Obviously, Bender with his home life is, is you know pretty bad, and you know his his dad's abusive and whatever. And then you've got Claire, whose parents are going through going through a divorce, and they're just playing 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 her off against one another. You've got um, Andy with his dad with his dad always you know making sure he's number one and he has to get ahead. Um, Brian Brian with his with his parents about his academic career. Um, yeah. And Alison saying her parents just don't realise she's there, or just ignore her. So it's just they ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> Good show, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'd recommend it. Right on that note, because that was quite a deep conversation. You had. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know we're supposed to keep it light-hearted. I know. Sorry, it's hot. It's very deep for half ten on a Wednesday night. Right. Oh. Let's leave the listeners with, with uh, those thoughts. Thought like, provoking. It's um, Ev Ev um comes up with life lessons every now and again, doesn't he, on these podcasts? We we don't let we don't let him go deep too often, do we? Yeah. Uh, did you look to this film for your life lessons, Ev? I did. Well, it's, well, it's just the only life lesson I wanted was to walk across a field with one arm in the air. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> oh, because when I was watching it, I just I I pigeonholed you as the princess. <laughs> Well, I have well, I have got the cleavage to actually do me do me uh, do me lips. Uh, right, definitely on that note. Um, thank you all. Yeah, we always say subscribe and listen to us and whatever you yeah, do. Like and subscribe. That's the one. Prog needs to do these um, closing statements, not me. Anyway, thanks you all. Speak to you again soon, hopefully. Uh, ta-da. Uh,